Topic 6, Second Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. 20th Century Negro Literature. Topic 6, Second Paper by attorney i l purcell is the criminal negro justly dealt with in the courts of the south isaac lawrence purcell the subject of this sketch was born july seventeenth eighteen fifty seven in winsboro south carolina his father john w purcell by occupation a carpenter was born in 1832 in Charleston, South Carolina, being one of the old free families. Isaac Lawrence first attended a school provided by the Episcopal Church for Colored Youths. He afterwards attended the public schools of his city, and in 1871 entered Brainerd Institute, Chester, South Carolina, where he remained one term. In 1872, he entered Biddle University at Charlotte, North Carolina, where he remained until in the fall of 1873, when the color line was removed at the South Carolina University. He entered the competitive examination for the scholarship in the South Carolina University from his county, being the only colored applicant. In the fall of 1873, he entered the South Carolina University, where he remained until the spring of 1877, when the act of the legislature of the state went into effect again drawing the color line, so he, with the other colored boys, had to leave. Mr. Purcell returned home, and under his father's instructions learned the carpenter's trade. He went to Palatka, Florida, in 1885, where he studied law and was admitted to practice law in the circuit and inferior courts October 8, 1889, and at once commenced the active work of his chosen profession at Palatka, Florida. At the first term of the circuit court, after his admittance, he represented plaintiffs in several large damage suits, two against the city of Palatka. In both, he got verdict for his clients. One was appealed to the Supreme Court. He was admitted to the State Supreme Court January 19, 1891, where he has successfully represented many cases. January 19, 1897, he was admitted to the United States Circuit and District Courts, and November 8, 1901, was duly admitted to the Supreme Court of the United States. He has represented some of the most important cases coming before the courts of his state. He came to Pensacola, his present home, in February 1899, and has, by his energy and ability, built up a fine and growing business. In politics, he is a Republican, 
and has attended as a delegate every state congressional and county convention since coming to the state several times presided over state and congressional conventions was for twelve years chairman of the republican executive committee of his county putnam for many years an alderman of the city of palatka florida in eighteen ninety five he was elected as a delegate to the republican national convention which convened in st louis eighteen ninety six he has never held any office of profit always honest and fearless in his opinions and his advocacy of right his private life has always been consistent while not a member of any religious denomination always attends the services of the episcopal church is a temperate man is generous and kind in disposition was married october twenty fourth eighteen ninety five to miss e l andrews of orangeburg south carolina first what constitutes a court in the south as in the north and other parts of the country to constitute a court there must be a judge whose duty it is to preside over the court a sheriff and deputies and a state's solicitor who looks after the interests of the state and last but by no means least comes the jury whose duty it is to discharge or pass on the innocence or guilt of the prisoner according to the law and evidence as offered it requires all these to constitute an organized court of law first the judge should be a man selected on account of his nobility of character of heart of soul and of mind a man of experience and training a man of affairs learned in the affairs appertaining strictly to his branch as also in literature and science a man merciful kind and generous of a sterling character temperate though positive and unbiased by private opinion in a word he should be a man the representative of justice though not usurping that power as abiding in himself but as the instrument of that power whose moral character ought to be without blemish a man whose habit integrity shrewd judgment and wise counsel place him above the average man making him of the people and for the people sheriffs and deputies ought to be honest and fearless having the highest regard for the life and liberties of the people they should be kind and generous yet positive and fearless ever ready to defend the life and liberties of the people using their office only in consonance with the prescribed law in aiding the conviction of crime but not as a means of revenging personal wrongs or injuries of the people whose color is their only sin the jury the jury ought to be composed if possible of men of learning whose moral character love of truth unbiased by racial prejudice or private opinions being only representatives of the people 
who in the name of the people adjudge, condemn, or acquit according to the evidence, not from any private opinion, but governed by such law as is made in the statement of the judge bearing upon the case given previously to their retiring. If these men of learning cannot be found, as in most cases, let others who, for the above qualifications minus learning, be substituted in their stead. In the selection of the jury, in the most cases they come as the most refined element of the scum and refuse of the party class, whose labor in the election of some democratic officer can only be rewarded under these terms, being unqualified to fill even the most inferior office of their party in a majority of cases, not even one of these is acquainted with even the lowest element of learning, and, if perchance one can be found, he is made foreman. The negro is never thought of, but if perchance one should be selected, and in such a manner is he prominent, even his color makes him conspicuous, he is also on a par with his companions. Men of influence are never selected. Before I conclude with the jury, may I say a word of those who select them? In most states they are selected by the county commissioners, in some by a jury commissioner. These commissioners, in most cases, are none other than tools, instruments who have no minds of their own, but like a reed before a gust of the mighty wind that blows nobody good, as serfs and pampered menials bend irrespective of that higher principle, that innate quality of man that places him above the brute creation, serving in abject slavery for the carrying out of party crime and cunning as well as subtle devices. A court constituted of such elements, as described, is an ideal one, one to be desired, and the only one at whose hands justice, and only that as gold refined, shall be tried, counterpoised, and meet out to every man justice in the name of heaven and at the hands of man. But may I ask, how are our courts of the South constituted? Are any two of the above qualities to be found in the most prominent of our southern courts of criminal jurisdiction? If Diogenes of old would seek in our southern courts for such a man, here too, as in Greece, such as one could not be found, for truth is no longer enthroned on its sacred altar. Having defined the true elements of which the courts of our Southland are constituted, I shall pass to consider the manner in which the Negro is dealt with in these courts. Is the criminal Negro justly dealt with in the courts of the South? is a question that I think is more frequently asked than words can answer, language describe, or man's wisdom unravel. Our woes have gone out to the ends of the earth, 
and the stagnant waters can no longer contain its contaminating germs and now even on the other side of the globe we hear the re-echo of our cries from this damnable cruelty wafted back to us by the zephyrs that sustain expectations impregnated with hope telling of some bright future what of the negro in the sunny south what of his rights as a citizen what of his treatment at the bar of justice are questions also propounded on the other side and since the trial cause of the alleged rape has been made clear we expect and are looking forward to the dawn of a brighter future in our civil courts in other words our courts where property rights are tried i must say that where tenement rights are concerned justice is meted out to the negro even against the white man when elevated to our higher courts this is the only sphere in which a lenient form of justice is prescribed and given the negro the same cannot be alleged of him when his life his liberty or reputation or citizenship is at stake against a fellow negro he is in some instances protected as against a white man seldom if ever in this latter it is not justice that is the object of our courts but the impeachment and condemnation of a fellow man giving vent to a vindictive racial prejudice be the crime of the negro ever so trivial when against the white man the sheriff having to carry out the oath the jury their party plans the judge his selfish means and therefore no evidence however palpable however substantial and convincing can shield the negro under such instances the skin of a white man being held sacred cannot be violated or polluted by the touch of the negro's hands be it in self-defense or in defense of his manhood or in the defense of wife daughter or some other female relative on the other hand seldom if ever can a white man be convicted when charged with striking a negro or for any insult he may offer to his wife sister daughter or mother the juries being all white they consider this no crime for a white man may we notice the following facts of the records of our courts may i here testify and without a fear of successful contradiction that by these as matter for the criminal statistics of the race serves no purpose first because our best citizens the better class of our thinking men and the most virtuous of our people are not tried at the hands of an impartial jury an innocence made to bear the stamp of guilt can in no way be accounted justice for instance in a case of assault and battery although the party charged is able and does prove by legal evidence that his actions were prompted only by resistance and self-defense however convincing 
if a white man can be found, if even he does not know anything, but can allege a negative, this unjust evidence counterpoises the balance of justice, and the negro is found guilty. If, on the other hand, larceny be charged, it is almost an impossibility even to attempt to defend, if there be a white witness against you, it being taken for granted that every negro is a thief. Now in the courts of justice, according to my judgment, and according to the law, every man is presumed to be innocent until his guilt is proven beyond a reasonable doubt by legal evidence, and such evidence must be furnished or obtained by the prosecution. But men are daily convicted in our courts simply because they are Negroes. In concluding, let me say that a majority of my people labor under appalling disadvantages. But I hope that the time is not far distant when our courts will be constituted as the altars of justice, the judges and their associates, as its priests, and the American citizen, be his color what it may, can come and there receive at the hands of unblemished and unspotted servants redresses for wrongs, compensation for impeached innocence, and justice for his wrongs. The time is coming when all racial prejudice shall have passed away, and when color will no longer impede our obtaining what is due us, and when the Negro will receive a fair and impartial trial before a jury of his peers. Then will justice and equity rule sublime, and the Negro being protected in all his rights, his liberty, life, and reputation will be held sacred, and virtue and worth will be considered, and man, the prince of God's creation, will be crowned for doing justice unto man. End of Topic 6, Second Paper